It's a trap! Hello, and welcome to the first ever bonus episode to the Steel City Squadron podcast. I'm your host, Nick, the Duke of Hobbies. I'm here today with a special one-on-one interview with Ryan Reinhardt Fleming. I have Ryan on the episode today because we needed to kind of review the history of the game and kind of understand why we're at where we are right now. And he's one of the best people to talk about this because he's been playing locally, competitively, the longest out of any of us. And also, he's been in the game pretty much since the beginning. So it's pretty neat to hear from someone who's been playing for so long and get a perspective of where we're at. So let's get right to it, and here's the interview. There's a, I mean, there's a couple of th- key things we can touch on here. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, initially, like, you had store the store kits. And then you had regionals, which I think were store... Cha- this was just before my time. Regionals were store championship kits, or that level. Okay. Um, and that was the first season. And then going into the second season, they had store championships, and they had regionals. Okay. Okay, so they, that's when they really distinguished them even a little bit more. Yeah. Because I won, I, my first tournament win was a store championship at Gasp. And then they had um, they had a regional in Pittsburgh, and there was a regional in Ohio that I went to. Um, okay. And regionals were, like, kind of hard to get to. Like, maybe, maybe there'd be, like, two that you could get to. Maybe. They were actually very regional. All right, well, let's just keep going then. So... Um, yeah, so like regionals were kind of hard to come by, and that it stayed that way for I want to say two or three seasons. Okay. Um, and now along the way there was nationals, there was nationals and worlds. Um, I take that back. There was there was nationals, and there were the continental championships. Oh wow! Gen Con was Gen Con people called nationals, but it was actually called the North American Continental Championship, the North American Championship. Nationals started at the um, God. This is this is the same year that I went to London. I think the first U.S. Nationals was at what's the one that was going to be in June on Father's Day weekend in um, huh? Ohio. What's that called? Uh, shit. What's that? What's that convention called? Oh, Are you still uh, there? Uh, Origins. Origins. Yeah, Origins had, and that was where that was for Manaru and. And how and Duncan Howard, or Jeff probably with Manor and Duncan Howard with Palp Aces faced off in the finals. Oh, okay. Um, but so before that, I, I will say this: before that, I was running um, Chewy Corin, and That's that would a have long been time ago. <laughs> I know it was. I know it was. I know it was. So the first store championship season was when I was running three X. Um, 3x of b-wing and then then the phantom yeah okay so then after that the phantom came out um and when the phantom came out uh i mean that obviously changed everything and it was miserable yeah um and then i was running chewy corn the next year was that after the phantom fix this before the phantom fix oh wow um, and I mean, cause I corned V, a VI corn at 10 mm-hmm. and then I had Chewy, uh, who was a tank with Lando and the experimental interface and lone wolf. And it was just, it was ridiculous. 
Um, and I think I won like two store championships that year, maybe three. And then I went top four in two regionals with that list. It was a good season for me. Um, so, so what but, was, so what was the, like, what was like the, okay. the sh- oh. so I will say this early, the fr- I remember the very first regionals, like store championships, the store championships I played in were mostly like, at least the first season it was, gas was just like five rounds of Swiss. Okay. They didn't do a cut. They didn't do anything like that. It was just Swiss rounds. And I, I played Drew Smith in the finals there. I remember that. Um, but then uh, going into the regionals, regionals were a little different. Regionals were, you played Swiss and then you had a cut to the top eight or I forget what the cut was, but top eight, top, depending on the size of the tournament. It was basically the same cut size. Mm-hmm. But in order to do the cuts at that point, they did not use MOV as a, as a tiebreaker. They used strength of schedule. Okay. Now, strength of schedule had its own, it was a problem. Because what would happen is, I mean, there are two problems with it, right? The first one is if you played a guy and lost in the first round, you were then playing the next round an 0 1 player, the round after that a 1 1 player, mm-hmm. and the round after that a 2 1 player, right? Yeah. So, like, your, your, your strength of schedule versus somebody who lost in the fifth round, let's say, five rounds of Swiss. He's playing a 1-0 player, a 2-0 player, a 3-0 player, a 4-0 player, and a 5-0 or 4-0 player, and then he, you know, he loses the guy's 4-1 after the fifth round, because right, assuming right. he wins. Which means that just necessarily, that guy's strength of schedule was going to be better than yours. And there was no way that you could catch him no matter what you did. <laughs> so you go to these regionals, and if you lost the first round, you're like, well, I'm, I mean, I guess I can stick around and play, but there's, it doesn't matter how well I do going forward, I'm not going to make the cut. Wow. Because that problem was also exacerbated by another problem. And that was if one of your opponents dropped during the day, you got he hit the rest of his strength of schedule was zero the rest of the round. And so that impacted your strength of schedule. Exactly. So let's say let's say you start 0-1 and then you play a guy who's also 0-1 and you beat him. Now he's 0-2. He might just leave and go home. Which means he's 0-5 for the tournament as, as far as your strength strength of schedule is concerned. Jeez. Which means like you can't you're you can't make the cut. Because <laughs> you're getting zero strength of schedule, which means you're not gonna be able to compete with anybody else whose opponent stuck around. And he maybe got like two wins along the way. Um, or, you know, let's say you were two and oh and then you lost the game. You lost two games. It was a sixth round. Four, some four and twos would make the cut, that kind of thing. Yeah. But the guy you played in the second round or the third round, like, you know, the guy you played in the first round lost, and he lost again, and then he left. Yeah. He just said, I'm going home. You now, you were completely boned. Like, you just, you were, you had no chance of making the cut. Um, and it, so it, it got weird. Uh, now, the moral of the story was just win, and it doesn't matter, but that's actually not. That, that's not actually how it goes, right? Sometimes you have a bad, sometimes just you have a bad matchup or dice go your, don't go your way. And you're going to lose the game here and there, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was frustrating when you couldn't make the cut and it was totally out of your control. Because a lot of it was, that, you know, what if you had two guys drop after the third round? Right. right. They lost two games. They, they, you're just, you, you're just, you're playing out the string, but you're not going to make the cut unless you're somehow undefeated or one of the five and one. And, right. and maybe not five and one makes a cut, right? Um, so I will say this too. When I was playing Chewy Corn, a lot of 
a lot of the tournament games were 60 minutes. Really? A lot of a lot of local events would would play 60 minute rounds. Even some store championships and some regionals would play 60 minute rounds. Um, that was the case right right around the Chewy Corn era. That was the time. And I remember talking to a guy at the West Virginia Regional, and I was playing Chewy Corn. He goes, "Oh man, he goes, I love that lifted 60 minute round and it's 60 minute round." And I was like, "Well, I hate 60 minute rounds, but yeah, I know what you mean because you can't, you're not going to lose, right? Like, you, yeah, you got regenning Corin and Chewy who doesn't die. Like you're not going to lose, right? Right. Um, Plus, but, this is a this is a point when only was half points on huge ships still thing. Or no, large? there was no half. No, no, there was no there, half points. There's no half points yet. No half points. Oh my. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so, but there was. I remember the community was discussing whether or not we needed to standardize in 75 minute rounds. I remember this being a discussion on the forums everywhere else. And finally, FFG made an edict that like all games had to be 75 minute rounds at the store championship level or higher. But there were still some lo- local events that were 60 minutes. Not really in Pittsburgh, but there were. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Rico might one run one or two at Drawbridge or like, you know, uh, Phantom might have done 60 minutes. Although we ran all the Phantom events, so that wasn't the case. But I know there there were some areas where 60 minutes was the standard. Um, now, I will say this. Even then, even then, I don't remember going to time being a problem, but I do remember that going to time was an issue, and that is a big reason why they moved the time limit up to 75 minute rounds. Oh, okay. So the um, players, you're saying the players that you were playing around, it wasn't really seen that much, but like at the other I events. I don't remember seeing it. I okay. don't remember seeing it much. Okay. Um, now, it clearly happened, right? But I don't remember. I don't remember it being a problem. I, put it this way: when it ha- I don't remember many lists that were built and designed to go to time, and that was their that was their intent. Uh huh. Um. And a lot of that was because the hyper defense that like okay, okay some of this also is that the hyper defensive stuff didn't exist, right? You didn't have auto thrusters, you didn't have um, any of this nonsense where like ships just wouldn't die. Right. This is before. This is before the Star Viper came out. This is before you know you had IG IG aggressors with auto thrusters and like you know these ships that just would never die. Right. Um, like Suntir was there, but you didn't, nobody played him much because like if you faced a Falcon, Suntir was in trouble. Mm-hmm. Even with his, even with his token stack, he was still might take damage, and people didn't want to deal with that. Um, and then and then auto thrusters came out. And I think that might have been the catalyst that really said, hold on, this 60 minute shit is not working. Right? Because games were just like people, you couldn't kill anything. It was miserable. So it, I think it was around then, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was around that time that they standardized on the 60 minute games or the 75 minute games across the board. That, and that basically was adopted like community wide. Mm-hmm. You may have still seen a few local events in some game stores like where. You know, they've got like three hours to play after work, and, and they need around three hour, three round tournaments, so they're only gonna have sixty minute rounds because they can't, they don't have time to do seventy five. But that was like a rare. That was like kind of the exception to the rule. Um, so then, uh, they had nationals, they had continental championships, and I remember going to the, con- I remember going to Gen Con a few times, and like three, two or three years in a row. Um, I stopped going because the shit was expensive. Um, uh, Gen- <laughs> if you've ever been to Gen Con, it's like. 
I remember the first year I stayed in a hotel. Where the hell did I stay the first year? Shit, I don't remember the two or three times. I don't know. I, I stayed like some weird ass hotel that was like also a dorm room for Indiana University. <laughs> and I'm like, and, I, and like, I had this huge suite, but it was like I had to take a shuttle bus there. It was bizarre. I had like, uh, I had like two rooms. Look, it was like a dorm room, like a dorm apartment. And I was just me. I was like, what the fuck? Because I don't know anybody. I don't really know enough people at that time to like have a roommate. So I just was going by myself. Yeah, this is the com- this is the time the community's just really starting to grow. Yeah, this was when this was the this was the Gen Con that Jeff Burley lost to Rick Sidebottom, Botham, and uh, Burling had double Falcons, and Rick had. I think he had uh, Whisper, a Shuttle, and some Tear, maybe. And I remember there was a big deal because Rick had forgotten to cloak at one point, and then Jeff let him do it. And was like, what the hell? I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, what, what, he's clearly going to fucking cloak. Like, yeah. Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, that, was, that, that was controversial. And, like, Rick had the, felt the need to go apologize. I I met Rick at Jack, and I said, I was like, dude, you don't fucking apologize. Come on. Yeah. Um. So that was that was that Gen Con, and then the next Gen Con, I think Matt Court and I went together. That might have been the last time I was there. I'm not even going on tour. Maybe I went three times. I don't. I just remember Gen Con was expensive. Like everything's expensive. The hotels were like you're spending like five hundred dollars in a hotel. For, you're like six hundred dollars in a hotel for three nights. It was ridiculous, and, and right. like you couldn't get one. You couldn't get one. The six hundred dollar hotel is like a quarter mile away, <laughs> um, or whatever. It's like you know a half mile. Away. It's the other side. Of, not. It's not close. Um. And like the only thing I'm there to do is play X Wing, and and you know the whole it's just this giant event where you've right. got a million people all clammed into this thing. Like I don't care about any of this shit. I just want to play X Wing. Right, right. Um, I mean, you're talking about the largest event to show off board games. Like that. That's the exactly. if you want your game picked up, you go to Gen Con. Well, and then so then the problem for me was, so you go on like Thursday or Friday, whatever the hell X Wing was, but you're there basically like Thursday through Sunday, and let's say X Wing is like Friday Saturday. Or Thursday, Friday, or whatever the hell it is. Now, like I, the second time I went, I was like, "What the hell? Like, I got two days here. I have like nothing. I don't care." Right. Like, there's nothing I want to do. Right. Like, I, I don't. I, I, I paid. Mo- I paid too much money to be here on days that I just. I'd rather do something else. Right. Right. I, 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 right. Way. So I kind of. I for that reason, I stopped going to Gen Con. It was just too much of a hassle. Um, nice thing about it was you would always get the new stuff because they always had uh, like a pre-release. Um, I remember they had Wave Five there, which was Dash and the um, Decimator, and that didn't like they had that in like July, and that shit didn't hit the stores until like November. Wow. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, I don't know what the hell happened, but everybody at Gen Con got it, and no one else had it until like. Um, and then I think I must have gone three years, two years. I don't know. I must have gone a couple years because I remember getting Scum the next year. Um, so. You know, then I think it was two. Th- I started playing in 2014. So 2014. So 2016 is when they announced the system open, uh, and they announced eight of them. And the first one was Hoth, that was the one I won. And then they had seven others in Europe. We only had one in North America that year. Um, and that the Jumpmaster came out just before that. Uh, now, auto thrusters had been the scourge of reality in X-wing before uh, before the jump masters came out, and then everybody thinks it was the jump masters that became the scourge. When in reality, it was still auto thrusters. 
Um, oh, yeah. People just didn't, they just didn't recognize it. Because, um, well, like, Jump Masters... Th- this is, this is also the combo. This is when I, I was around, because this is the combo of everything, right? Like, you got TLT now. You have the Jump Masters with the Deadeye, um, and Guidance Chips has just come around. And, like, you know, you, you're seeing that big change of munitions. They're secondary weapons. They're big. They're important. Um, yeah, TLT had come out just – so, T, I will say this. TLT came out uh, with the release of the K-Wing. Mm-hmm. Which must have been like wave seven. I think that is either the wave right before Force Awakens or right at the same time. You know what I mean? The, the Force right Awakens. around then, yeah. Um, and I, like I started going to. I've been a lot. Of, I started going to Worlds in twenty fifteen, maybe. And that was the second year Paul won with his uh, double droid Falcon, and then the next year after that was when he won Poe. So yeah, with yeah, two thousand six. The stress hog and Poe. So, I don't think Jump Masters were out then. No, they they were them. they were after that. That was the wave after, or yeah. that that was the season after for sure. Okay, so maybe that was twenty thirteen. I don't know, whenever it was. And then, so Paul won with Poe and his stress hog against Nathan. Uh, but and none of it like. I don't remember any of these like half points on large ships didn't come yet. I don't even think it was in play when I won the Hoth Open. Really? I mean, I I, I was uh, I always say that because like I when I started playing competitively, like I had just gone. I that was the year Jump Masters were prevalent. That was my first store championship that i ever gone to and and, like uh that did not go well for me Uh, didn't discourage me though well don't be discouraged Uh, it's worked out well for you so far yeah (laughs) right i mean um i don't remember i don't remember when the half points rule actually went into effect i remember thinking it was stupid Um, i think one of the catalysts for the half point rule was the canadian national um, Ron Brandon was playing against someone there. And I forget who the hell Ron was playing against. But Ron was playing 4BZ against the Chewy list of something else in it. And they were playing 60-minute rounds. Canadian National. I remember this. This was the problem. They were playing 60-minute rounds. Pro- yeah, this, I, I don't remember when the half points came after this, but I remember this was a reason people banged the table and demanded half points. Wow. So Ron is playing sixty minute a sixty minute match, and he has Chewy at one hull from the board or something something weird like like maybe two B wings or whatever two full health B wings, and Chewy was worth more than the two health B wings, right? <laughs> but time was up because they had to clean up. The, I mean, they were at sixty minutes because they had to clean up the convention center. Okay, but they had sixty minutes and they called it. And Chewy at one hall was worth more points than the two B wings, so <laughs> Ron lost. Right? Wow. Which was really a, yeah, I mean, that was terrible. That's I mean, because Chewy's not going to win that. Like, right. You play, right. give him fifteen more minutes. Chewy has no chance. He's going to get shot at by the B wings. As soon as the B wings look at him, they're going to hit him. Right. right. I mean, maybe he's got. He's. I'm sure he's got C three PO and the evade and everything. 
So I'm, I'm like, it's not good. One B-Wing may not, but two of them will. Yeah, two of them are definitely. Plus, plus you can't put a crit in them. <laughs> yeah, you can't crit Chewie. Um, that was my favorite part of the Chewy corn list. Was I only was I was only ever vulnerable to one crit, and that was the first. That was the first haul on corn. Every other crit I didn't care about. Um, it was it was fantastic. So anyway, that's um, right because the E wing was two haul. Two haul. It was two haul. Two haul three shield. Oh jeez. Um, right. So, but that I remember that was a catalyst for the half points on large base ships. But I remember Major Juggler was a big fan of this. And I remember thinking, like, this is stupid because – so uh, you'd go to these tournaments. I remember Gen Con one year. Like, they let us play the first round, and then they did something wrong, and then we sat around for two and a half hours while they figured out the second round. Oh, God. To get, yeah, because the system crashed or whatever. And then every time you'd go to these big events, and they'd, they'd pair you up, and you'd get to your table, and you'd get your stuff set out, and they'd be like, repair, hold on, because some knucklehead – didn't understand what the fuck the points were and didn't and didn't add up the points right when they when they ended the game and or totaled the va- totaled the value of the opponent chips who knows they made some dumb arithmetic error so and that would trickle down the line and they'd have to repair now not every time you'd get repaired because maybe the mistake happened below your record but if it happened above your record you're getting repaired. right at one point ffg just decided like fuck it we're just gonna like change one we're not gonna make everybody change we're just gonna like change these two people or whatever but I was skeptical the half points would work because I'd seen idiot players constantly screw up arithmetic for years. For full health only, right? Yeah, exactly. For years, screwing up arithmetic. And now suddenly, you want them to do division and then arithmetic. <laughs> like, really? You think this is going to work well? Um, oh, and then well, cause, cause then they have to know to round down or round up. It's, I was like, oh my god, it's going to be a mess. Um. And, like, I don't know if, the errors, if there were more errors or not, but, like, whatever. So they started to do that at some point, and I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, it was sometime after Ron and the Canadian Nationals. But I think after the Canadian Nationals is when, really, they were like, you can't do 75-minute rounds. And that was that was so – at the regional, I was telling you about where I played Chewy Corrin. I played Ron, and he had four BZ uh, at that regional. I mean, I lost it with Chewy Corn. Like that's a terrible matchup. That mm-hmm. um, and he had he had four BZ there, so it would have been that season that he had played the Canadian Nationals, wow. or it would have been just before that, like right right around the same time frame. Um, and uh, and that's when and th- and it was shortly after that that they that they edicted the seventy five minute. And then shortly after that they did the they did the half points on large base ships. I don't exactly remember it was and i don't remember if it was when i won hoth or not if we had half points we, uh, we probably did but again nick part of the problem for me is i don't pay attention to points like i'm trying to kill you i know i so. know i know i know no but that, that, that's i mean I, I this is this is actually really interesting because like going through this has been you know just kind of fascinating to see how did it how did how did we get to now like you know that's like that's the that's the funny thing like you i didn't know about the 75 minutes not being standard it wasn't yeah that just blows my mind almost like you know um now we never had we never had a 75 we never had a 60 minute problem here in pittsburgh but i know there were some areas that no it was a lot of 16 around and a lot of it was game stores that would play after work right because you wanted to get more games in 
and therefore, and sometimes they'd run tournaments after uh, after the working, and they needed to get like three or four rounds in, and they didn't have time to do seventy five minute rounds. So that was that was one of the reasons it existed, um, but you know it 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 caught it it definitely encouraged players uh, to play to times because you saw what happened to Ron and you and players knew that they could take some some R you know R two D two corn or whatever shit like that and it was worth eighty points or eighty points I guess would have been worth like fifty points at the time yeah, the corn I ran was forty nine or forty six there was a push little corn it was forty nine you could run that and like. You're not gonna fucking die. So like, right. you, you can't. You know, they knew that 60 minute rounds, they just would win, um, and it was ridiculous. So this notion of like playing to time has always been a strategy, um, but I think it's been a bigger strategy. It's definitely been a bigger strategy lately. Um, okay, so so. After so when you won Hoth though, okay, so yeah. you, you 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 win Hoth, you get that. Um, but when does when does MOV really enter the the picture now? MOV MOV entered much earlier. Okay. Um, MOV MOV entered the picture um, shortly after that first regional season. Okay. Okay. So they they they, they you know they did strength they the did schedule. They did strength the schedule pretty quickly. Okay. Um, now they definitely had a different tiebreaker at one point. If you ended, you know, if it wasn't final salvo. So they used to have a tiebreaker. It was not final salvo. I fucking forget what it was. Um, it may have been. I, I don't remember what it was. I just don't remember what it was. But I remember when final salvo came out, people were like. Oh, I think it might have been just like flip a coin if you if you tie, and you had to just like roll. It was like roll three dice and see who. They're rolling for initiative, um, and I don't think FFG liked it, but I do know that when they announced when Final Salvo came out, that that but it wasn't just that. I will say this: I think a lot of the blame for the going to time strategy can be laid at the feet. Of Chris Allen in the crates, and I'm not saying it in a negative. And I'm not saying it in a negative way, right? Because didn't he? They did am, a whole I, thing. They did a whole thing on discussing basically exploiting or w- the wind yes. condition, right? Yes. So people understood this notion of wind condition, right? Like top players, right? I mean, like you knew what you had to do to win. Right. I mean, you, you look at across the table, you say, okay, I got to do this. But they started taking it to another level. Um, and this was, this, I, re- I remember this was very pronounced going into, uh, the worlds where you had Miranda everywhere. This, you're talking um, when Dengaru was still around? Yeah, it was right around that. It was around that time. Period. And I remember this might've been the year that Kevin Lines lost to Dengaru. I think that was the year that I noticed it. So the, I think the crates had started to be a thing. They they did their podcast. And I, look, Chris and Travis and those guys are really smart players. Yeah. They know what the fuck is going on. Like, I like them personally. But I do think that they started to analyze the game in a different way than anybody else had. So it's not until that we had, like, the fucking Nova Squadron podcast. And those guys are knuckleheads, right? <laughs> like, I mean, Ed and Ed's a nice guy. I like Ed. But he's a knucklehead. They, they, like, that would roll my eyes half the time. when I was So, anyway, um, 
I noticed that Chris and Travis, they started talking about wind conditions. And they started talking about knowing how many points your ships are and how many points their ships are. And playing to make sure that you're ahead on points. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, that had been a... I mean, people knew to do that, right? But I don't think that people had necessarily planned for that going into major events as a general strategy. Some might have, but it wasn't a prevailing strategy. It wasn't a widespread. Yeah, I mean, you didn't, you were still trying to just win the game. Right. So, you know, these guys start talking about that and they're not wrong, right? Like they're correct in their analysis. But every Tom, Dick and Jane starts hearing this shit and they start thinking like, that's how you play the game. Now, more than that, I remember you started to have this hyper-defensive nonsense. Auto thrusters, Miranda with C-3PO, and you know all this shit that just never dies. Regenning, mm-hmm. like, regenning Corrin and Miranda that, with C-3PO, right? Like, you can't kill that shit. Right. Um, and I remember talking to Kevin Lyons. It might have been a year after he was second or whatever, right around that time. And he was he was talking about the fact that he had configured his Corrin or his Miranda so that it would be slightly more expensive than the other ships he was worried about. The mirror match. Not even mirror match. Okay, actually, there's a better example of this. It's Paul. When Paul won his third world with Poe, he knew going into it, and he said this, he knew going, and he planned for this, he knew going into it that... Poe wasn't going to die because he had regen on him. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he had to make sure that Poe was more expensive than Suntir Fell because you know how hard Suntir Fell was. And he knew Suntir couldn't kill him. So he knew that he had all he had to do was kill everything but Suntir. And still have Poe on the board and win the and game. And still have Poe on the board. And that was his strategy for every game. Just make sure that Poe doesn't die because he's so many damn points that nothing else is going to – nothing and nothing else is going to realistically kill him. And again, it didn't matter if he was at one hall. It only mattered that he wasn't dead. Right, right. So that was right around the time that people started to really understand and adopt that bullshit strategy. Right? It was, it was kind of Paul's win. Um, and then after that, going to these larger events – you'd hear people talking about, well, I just need to kill this ship because this ship's worth more than that ship and this and that. And it was like, dude, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I think that that was when a lot of the problems started. And it wasn't just, and and it wasn't just that the, that the players knew this was a problem. It was that the ships and the upgrades now allowed that to be a very viable strategy. Because you could build a point a point tank. You could right. build a vault. I remember that term. I actually remember hearing that. That started getting to me when I, when I started you know started playing competitive. A point vault. Yeah, point, you have a point the, vault. My point vault. The point vault point tank. Yeah, and it was stupid. I do know that once Miranda, once people really understood Miranda, because Miranda first hit the tables, she was not a success. Right. Um, I mean, 
I remember playing Miranda uh, when I played played Corin and, and like Rourke and a stress hog at Worlds one year. This is the year that I think this is the year of the Defender. Maybe not. This is the year I lost to Chad in the first round. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, I played D. Uh, this was the before Hoff. And I played D, and he was playing Miranda. And I, like, Miranda, whatever. Miranda just kind of died. Like, she's good, but she wasn't a... Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Mike Jones, and I, Mark Jones from Columbus, he was having, Miranda's going to be great. I'm like, Man. yeah, you, sure, TLT's annoying, and but you're taking away a die to regen. Like, you're not going to be able to get... I, whatever. Miranda, Miranda did not make a giant splash at first. Right. Um, it was the bomblet generator really helped Miranda. Bomblet, Sabim, Bomblet, Sabim, and then the good old Lowrick. And then Lowrick, right? I mean, Lowrick helped, helped everybody, but suddenly you had you could you could feel comfortable putting more points on Miranda because you had Lowrick to keep Miranda alive while your opponent, all of your opponent's ships were on the board. Because right. Miranda versus four ships was not all that good. Miranda versus two ships was really good. Right. Um, and that's. And that's kind of what happened. Now, I do remember TLT. So, it's funny. TLT, I think, was basically designed to remove the double droid Han from Double droid Han was on with R2-D2 and C-3PO. So, Han could right. guess Han. zero. Yeah, well, but there's different kinds of fat Han. This right. fat Han was basically, it would mitigate three damage a turn. Right. So if you had one three attack ship shooting at it, you, now actually, Paul, I think okay. So the year before he won with Poe, he, he won with Falcons. Buddy, I know that, but he he had played his buddy Ira in the top four match in Worlds or top eight match at Worlds that year, and he had his double droid Falcon, and Ira had the Gunner Falcon. Okay. So Paul had R2-D2 and C-3PO and whatever the hell I had on. And then Ira had basically the same loadout, but instead he had Gunner mm-hmm. instead of Double Droid. And the problem, and, and what Paul realized going into it, going into Worlds, and I think it's one of the reasons he changed his Han up, was that the Double Droid Han was slightly more expensive than the Gunner Han. Everybody was wearing Han because Whisper was everywhere. This was the year of the Phantom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, Paul realized that he beat double, he beat the gunner Han every single time because gunner Han would shoot and he'd do a, he'd do a damage. So gunner would never trigger, do a shield. And then our D2 would regen the shield. Right. And C3PO would like, he'd mitigate two and take the shield and then get the shield back. And the gunner, gunner Han would never really make any headway. Right. And Gunner Hunt can still mitigate two, but, you know, Paul's shooting into him, and maybe occasionally he does three, right? Occasionally he does three, yep. and maybe and maybe sneaks a damage in. But more importantly, he was more points than the Gunner Hunt. Right. So he won, and he knew that. Um, so I think that experience with Double Droid Han is probably one of the, th- one of the, one of the lines of thinking that Paul went into the next Worlds with, uh, with Poe. And why he chose to use Poe and why he chose to, um, you know, make him like that was his strategy was to keep Poe alive because he knew it was worth more than. 
so the the notion that there was this point vault really started as as, as early as wave five or wave four. And that was uh I didn't mean wave five, because I think that was wave yeah, wave five must have been like um like that's where it really started because but but it wasn't widespread mm-hmm. because there were only so many ships that could do it, right? Like Whisper was kind of a point vault. The Falcon was kind of a point because they were so expensive and so hard to do. But right. they would they could still die, right? Um but and actually to be fair, it was Jeff Burley who came up with Double Droid Han. He played it um somewhere. Where the hell did he I think he might have played it at Gen Con or somewhere else. And and I think he beat Paul with it, and that's why Paul adopted it. <laughs> um, right? Because why not? Right. Um, well, th- think about what happened this year. It was uh, Howard lost the Heaver, and the system opened, and then Heaver's like, I'm taking your list. <laughs> Howard, yeah. Howard, yeah. he basically modified it and took it, right? Yeah, he t- modified it and took it and won the next system open with it. Uh, yep, pretty much. Um, so anyway, so we move into the system open era, and... Um, the uh you know um we the jump masters came out and, and at this point things started to go to time a little bit um and it was it well, I really guess, was I, I guess the one question auto pressure and power oh okay yeah so, but i guess the one it question was, really is why did system opens become so like so big so quickly well so because the first system open uh was a trip to star wars celebration oh okay like so okay the the prizes for the system open when they announced the first system open prizes were like amazing right Right. so when you if you made top 16 you got like a range one and two ruler set which was the very first time FFG had offered a range range two rule. Wow. That wow. Had never that was the first prize for that was the first time they'd ever offered that prize. Then you got shield tokens, which were usually something you'd get at regionals if you made top whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you got templates if you made top eight. You got a mat if you made top four. You got a million alternate art cards like the plastic spot gloss cards that was the first time we saw those mm-hmm. um it was the first time we saw a, like a lot of these alternate art cards there was a lot of alternate art cards and it was they, they had there was they didn't have the alternate damage deck at that point but they had these tiny i think it was the very first time they issued these small sized upgrade cards wow because it was bb8 and it had arabesh i remember it was bb8 and it had arabesh on it i think it was BB-8, or it might not be. um so there was a lot going on in terms of prizes. And of course, the final, the, the grand prize was you were, you got a trip to go to London to go to Star Wars Celebration. Like they paid for your hotel, they paid for your flight, and they paid for your, um, your entry to Star Wars Celebration. Now, we didn't really know exactly what the prize was. And I remember when I, I, won, the, I won the damn, saying, hey, great, you know, like I got a trip to London. And really, like it was, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not. It was nice, but it wasn't as amazing as I think everybody thought it was. Like you're thinking, like okay, like well, I got to London, I still had to pay for my, I, I had to pay to get from the airport to the venue. Right, right. The cost, I, I had you, to, you had a lot of costs still. I had a lot of costs, right? Like they didn't give us any food. 
I was thinking like, yeah, they'll have dinner for us one night. Nope, nothing. They basically, they, they, you got the badge at will call and they like didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> they knew we were there and they knew that we had to play this tournament on Saturday, but that was it. Like they didn't talk to us. They didn't like, this wasn't like, they didn't help us at all. They gave us a room and they, we each had a roommate. Um, and I remember, I remember emailing the guy, my wife wants to come, we want to spend some time afterwards because I already have a plane ticket. Like, he's like, oh, well, you're going to have a roommate. I'm like, I have a roommate. Like, they're doubling up. Like, I don't get my own room. I'm rooming with some with one of the other winners. <laughs> you know? Right? And I was like, all right, well, can you just tell me the hotel that you guys are booking at? And need be, I'll book my own room and, like, you know, whatever. I'll pay for my room out of my pocket. He's like, yeah, I'll link it back to you. And like, he never got back. He had no idea. Like, I kept asking, I kept asking, I kept asking. They had no idea. He's like, well, it's another group is doing it for us. I'm like, well, can I have their number? Like, I, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not trying to be pushy. Right. I'm just trying to fix this problem. So eventually, what happened was, Patterson, Andrew Patterson, won the London event, and he lived in London, so he wasn't going to even. Use it. So they were like, that's fine. We'll just make Patterson your roommate. So like, I didn't have to worry about it with Jen, um, but. Um, like for a lot of the guys in Europe, like they didn't, no one else brought their spouse or their girlfriend. Cause like, it's, it's not, it would be like going to, you know, to Texas or not even Texas going to like just somewhere local, like another state to play at a tournament. Like you wouldn't necessarily bring a wife. That's ridiculous. Right. 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 Um, but for us going across ocean yeah, to London that's, and that's having the opportunity deal. to spend some time there, that's a much bigger deal. Um, so, but anyway, the prize was pretty impressive. And again, there was only one in North America. That there was one in North America, and there were seven in Europe. So, wow. right. So the North American region it drew a large crowd. Wow. Right. Because you had all these amazing prizes, and you had this trip to London, which, frankly, was still worth like twenty five hundred dollars. Right. Right. And that that was the biggest prize in X Wing. At that point, in terms of like actual, real, tangible benefit, like going, like winning worlds is great, but like you're not you're not getting anything of real value, mm -hmm. like monetary value, right? You're getting a trophy, you're getting fame, you're getting fort, you're getting notoriety. I think and maybe you I think Ollie got card. money this year. I think he got like twenty five hundred. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the only reason why I think I know that is the um. The BBC article that was done on him, or the news reel that was done on him, they're like, and oh, with twenty five hundred pounds in his pocket, uh, basically, I think they paid yeah. for his flight back. I think they paid for his flight next year, probably. Oh, okay. Because the winner of Worlds basically gets a room and a. And a, and a now, I, that wasn't the case back then. It is now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Either way. Either way. Okay. Yeah. It, this either was way. the first real, real, real prizes coming out of X Wing. Yeah, I think I think if you won Worlds or you won a national hotel, you might have gotten a hotel room uh, to go to Worlds, but I don't think they paid for your flight. Gotcha. Um, so, anyway, so it was a big deal. That's why they got so big. Okay. Um, the prizes were awesome, and and there was this there was this. Okay, so when they announced the system opens, they announced the Coruscant Invitational. No one knew what the fuck this was going to be. Mm -hmm. Even when I went hot, no one knew if it was going to be like world's prestigious or like no one knew what the hell it was right. we did know that if you won the invitational you got to design a card which was the same thing the world's winner did so it sounded as though what ffg was doing was creating this 
parallel track um, similar to Worlds, on the, on the same level as Worlds. Like, because Worlds was regionals, nationals, Worlds. Like, if you won, if you won a sort of championship, you got to buy it regionally. Regionals, you got to buy it at a national level. If you won nationals, you got to buy it at Worlds. Right, right. So, everybody, so that was one track, and everybody thought the system open track was be different. And everybody originally thought that the system open track was going to be a European centric track. Because there were seven of them in Europe the first time. Mm-hmm. And only one in the States. Because it's hard for the Europeans to get all the way over to Worlds, because it's expensive. Right. So they thought they were going to have a, a a European event that was Worlds level from the system open. Right, with basically European not... Worlds, but without calling it yeah. that. Well, and a, and a very limited, exclusive Invitational, right? Because right. there were only eight of us at the Invitational. Turns out that's not what they did. Uh, you know, the next time the system open was held, uh, the 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 uh, celebration was in Orlando, right? And they, I think they had like five, four, and five, or like they, they basically they basically evened out the 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 the, um, the system open. I think we had we had one at Syracuse and one in I think we had three in the states that year. Um, but that's that's one of the reasons it got so big, right? I mean, it was for two reasons, right? The game was at its peak. At that point, mm-hmm. in terms of people playing, like everybody was playing the game then. Mm-hmm. Everybody was playing. Um, I mean, you'd go to uh, events would sell out immediately. Regionals, the regionals at Mister Nice Guys are the very first time were like eighty, and I think the next year was like 110, 120. Right. I I see. I did, I missed that one, and then I was the mm-hmm. year after was my first regional, and they were expecting that huge number again. And I think it was like seventy five that year because it, like it was a bad weekend for it. They paired it yeah, against picked, something else. Yeah, they picked. Yeah, they picked a terrible weekend. Yeah. They, they, but yeah. generally, generally, you'd go to during that era, you'd go to a regional and you'd expect to have a hundred hundred players. Maybe it was a little more, maybe it was less, but a hundred players. Mm-hmm. Anyway, went. Anyway, went. Um, now you're getting like forty. Right, like it's it, and and so the game was at its peak around then, and that's one of the other reasons system opens were so big. But shortly after that is when you started to see like soon soon tier pal bases everywhere, mm-hmm. like just in everywhere. Um, you started to see defenders everywhere. You start, you still saw whisper. Um, you saw jump masters everywhere. You saw and you saw four TLTs everywhere. Mm-hmm. You started to create this um, power bubble where either your list was hyper-offensive or hyper-defensive. And if it was neither, it had no chance. Right. It just it just got eviscerated. And that's when a lot of the people really started to walk away from the game. And that happened locally and it happened nationally. Now, nationally... You would still, nationally, you'd still get pretty much the same crowds at like Gen Con or like the like Worlds. Like you'd still have, it'd still sell out because all the people that were going to Worlds were still in the game no matter what. Right, right. But at the regional level and the store championship level, um, you really started to see a drop off. Uh, I remember when store championships, like 25, 25 man store championship was small. It was small. Wow. Now, 25 man store championship is pretty big. Right, right. Um, so, like the first store championship I played, it was nineteen players at Gasp, and then it got they just were bigger going forward. Um, so 
because people didn't want to deal with the bullshit. They didn't right. want to deal with like, I don't want to play, def- I don't want to play TLTs. I don't want to play against jump masters. I don't want to play against pal faces. I don't want to do it. They all started doing other. Sh- they started to lose interest. They started to do other things. Um, that happened with a lot of our stalwart players locally. Mm-hmm. They had been playing the game for three years. They just were like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it was and again it was around then that you really had the crates uh, started talking about you know win conditions and and, 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 and end games that you wanted to try to engineer, and they weren't wrong in talking about that. Their 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 analysis was correct. Um, the problem is they were they were they were highlighting it in a way that everybody would start doing it. Mm-hmm. And also, you had Dion uh, with Gold Squadron. Now, Dion did not Gold Squadron did not exist when, um, when when the first Hawk was played. Right, right. Uh, uh, they didn't I really that. come into the scene until ooh, when like, was that? So I I played Dion in the second round of Hawk, and I remember him talking. He was telling me he wanted to start a podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, sounds good." Like, <laughs> um, so it was true. It was like he had his first episode like a month. Ago. Wow. Um, and then since then it's grown, but Dion and the crates, like those two podcasts in particular really started to, to put it to, to, to highlight the notion of, uh, ship points and, and, and making sure that you were ahead on points as you went as the game played on. Um, I, I, you know, and then Dion didn't really be, start streaming his, his streaming empire until a little late, mm-hmm. maybe two or th- two years after that, but mm-hmm. like. That was so the, the the fact that you had ships in the in the game that would allow you to to do it to create these point faults that were relatively safe, right? Um, and then you had uh, also you know analysis by influential members of the community who were who were had a platform um, to discuss it. You definitely started people like the Paul Heaver. Uh, strategy in his second world's win where he had a, a hand he knew was more expensive than any other hand that was going to be on the table and he knew all he had to do was get hound versus hand and he would win right um people started to really adopt that strategy and, and it was slow it didn't it didn't happen overnight but it was slow um but even then people still weren't necessarily playing to take the game they weren't going into playing to take the game of time they were just knowing that they would get into an an unlosable situation. Right, right. They're still trying to play the game to win, but but it didn't matter. They couldn't lose. Um, now, that time, and I forget when this actually did. They they changed the rules for final salvo, the tiebreaker rules to final salvo. And I want to say this is shortly right around around the same time. Jumpmasters just like sometime. It's after. it's around that time because I remember it being introduced for the first time. And I also remember, and this is what I was going to ask you next, was when, like, the intentional draw season. I remember that, like, three month or six month period of just. Uh, let's that... talk, so let's talk about let's talk about intentional draws. Um, they released a document, a tournament rule allowed intentional. Now, basically, FFG's tournament document has to. They took. They have a lot of card games. They took some card game where they made the X-20 tournament rules out of the card. Mm-hmm. Right? That's essentially what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, normally, the intentional draws wouldn't have mattered. They just wouldn't have. I mean, it feels bad. Um, but 
if you're still in a position to make now, I will say this: there, Hoth, Hoth Open. I think they had intentional draws. They might have had intentional draws because I know there was at least one. I was the eighth eighth guy going to eighth, eighth in the top eight. I know there was one, um, one, uh, one game that could have gone differently. It was Drew Bishop and Lyle, uh, and and Drew wanted to draw so they could both make the cut, and Lyle said no. He wanted he wanted to try to beat Drew's list because he didn't want to deal with it later, so he didn't take the draw. Because Lyle was like eight and zero, he was under. Um, he so he was gonna make the cut no matter what, but he didn't he didn't want to take the draw because he he, he wanted to he wanted to take a stab at taking the list out of the cut because he didn't want to because he knew it was bad. Wow. And he ended up winning. He ended up winning, but um, I think if they had draw if they had taken the draw, I probably would have finished ninth or tenth. Um, wow. So you know, bully bully for me. Um, but either way, so they started this intentional draws. Now, the, it really didn't. It, beca- it it came to a head at the Rochester. Rochester, I think it was Rochester. No, Richmond. No, Richmond. Uh, I think it was it was down in Nova at the Richmond Regional. Um, you had you had like you had the right number of players where. No one drops. You would have had a clean cut to the top eight, and it wouldn't have mattered who. Again, drawing wouldn't have made. It. But as after the like, you know how you get right under the cusp for the number of rounds you, right? Um, if you have like it was like seventy-five players, you play six rounds. Seventy-four players, you play five rounds. I forget what the numbers are, but it's something like that. Right, right, right. There's that cutoff. Right. They started the, They started it right at the cutoff one or two players above the cutoff. And then after like two rounds, a few players drop. Right. Which meant now they were going to play one more round than they had to do clean cut. You did, you follow me? Yeah. So like if you, if you play, if you have, if you have more players and, and you play six rounds, then what's going to happen is um, you're, you're going to have a clean cut to the top eight. Like it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be like, no one who's got two losses is going to expect to make a cut. Um, so they don't. Let me get the scoring too. We'll get we'll, we'll cut back. We'll, we'll cycle back on that. No one's going to have to make a cut. Um, so they. So so what? So the draws really wouldn't have mattered. If anybody's right. in a position to draw, is going to cut anyway. But because during the course of that tournament, some people lost. Now they were playing one round too many. Right. Which meant they had a clean cut after five rounds because there were fewer games being played. But they had to play a six round anyway. So all the people that were in the clean cut after five rounds decided, let's just intentional draw. No one can catch it. Right. And that's what they did. And people were pissed. Um, because they felt like they had been cheated out of an opportunity to make the cut. And they had in one in some ways. Um, but they also hadn't because they the, game, the tournament should have been over the round earlier. Right, right. And based on the number of players. So, you know, people like lost their minds. Um, and they changed the rules shortly after because people like just they they lost their mind. Um, now let's go back to early because we forgot to talk about this. Let's go back to the early scoring um, or how they did tournament points. Uh, now you get one point for a win, right? Right. Way, 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 way. You got five points for a win, and you got three points for a modified win. 
a modified win was a point that was ele- that was eleven points over, and and it was that because the cost of the, of the cheapest ship was twelve points to the academy tiebreaker. So they felt if you lost by less than the cost of a, of a ship, um, you would get three points for the win instead of five. So it had, now, you had to be less than eleven point difference. Yeah. So if you won, you know, eighty to seventy one. You got a modified win. Gotcha. Which is three points. I never had a big issue with this, but some people lost their fucking mind. Um, it it definitely encouraged people not to play. People were playing to win. The right. modified win was there, right? Because no one wanted a modified win. Bad. Um, in fact, you know, the outrider, the skins rule, right? That is basically our way of mirroring that. Wrote the outrider. At the time, there were wins and modified wins. Reflect that in the outrider. So mm-hmm. we came up with this notion of a skin because we felt as though a modified win was not a full enough win. You should get the point for your team. Therefore, you've got a skin that you had to carry over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's the, the you know, that's that's the reason why an outrider still have the notion of a skin, and it's this point threshold, and it's and it's all from the old modified win. I don't remember when they did away with it. Wasn't that um, after the first two regional seasons? It might have not even been in the next regional season. Okay, so what, um, what was the issue with this way? Though was people just mad because well, I won, but it's not a full win, and then like they weren't getting since they weren't getting a uh, wins, they were getting modified wins, and this modified win just kept kept them out of the tournament. Yeah, kept them out of the cut. So they were. People were getting upset, and it was a Gen Con and large. It was really becoming more um, where, and I say it was okay. So the strength of schedule thing was especially pronounced at a place like Gen Con. Okay, because you're playing more rounds, and guess what? There's a whole lot of other stuff to do, and people are going to go do it. Right, right. So you know, people they didn't like the mod wins because they felt as though. Too many of the variables that allowed them to make the cut were taken out of there. You had this notion of the strength of schedule, and you also had this notion of a modified win, where sometimes a game would just, you couldn't, you know, you, you have those games where you can't kill everything. Right, right. Right? And they, um, you know, they just, they felt like that was unfair. They weren't making the cut because their opponent didn't, you know, didn't cooperate or their dice didn't cooperate or whatever. They didn't get a full win. And also, you know, now they're, 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 they're sucking high pit on the tiebreaker because their strength of schedule sucks because three of their opponents went to go look at the convention agenda. That sort of thing. Um, I want to say that the mod wins were in place for a lot longer than, I think they, they existed past the MOV, the strength of schedule, the MOV change, but I could be wrong. Okay. Because that's interesting. Cause like it, the fact that the fact that they had this modified win and win scenario, and then and straight the schedule makes sense why that would be very frustrating. I can I can get that. I can get that being because strength of schedule just doesn't work for X. It's actually better. It's better. But the problem is you everybody has to be committed to playing it. Right. Right. And not everyone's going to be committed. So not everyone's willing to spend seven hours if, if like when they're zero and three to stay playing. They're not. They're right. Or right. even one and three, they're going to leave. 
Right. So, okay, so, yeah, so th that's why we know the flaw of that. And then this seemed to be, like, a decent way because it was trying to account for how games went, you know, because ships were, you know, mm -hmm. the value of the ships in it. And now, you know, but then they paired it with strength and schedule, now, and I could see that being very frustrating. Now, now, now consider this. Modified wins did not exist when point fortresses were a thing. Oh. Right? Okay. They went away. They left before Point Fortress. Wow. So, right? So Paul's strategy when he won that world with Han would not have worked as well if modified wins were a thing. And his strategy with Poe would not have worked as well if modified wins were a thing because he's risked because he, like, because you know all you got to do is win by one point, and it's it's a win. Right. Suddenly, if you have to win by eleven points, a lot different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because if it's Suntier versus um, Poe, and your Poe is only two points more, well, you might be eleven points, you might be ten or eight points, but it doesn't matter. You you're still gonna win the game, but you can't. Like, what if you face Suntier three times? Right. You, you know, that's not, that's not. And Poe was only an I. Poe was only PS8 at that. He wasn't a PS9, so that's right. So Fell, so Fell was going to be able to outposition him, and Poe may never shoot him. So Poe was just going to like one straight, one bank, and D2 all the time, and just regen his shields and, and hope that Suntier doesn't, you know, doesn't kill him. And, he, and he's very unlikely he's going to. Mm -hmm. um, so there were two. There two events took place that really. Change the ability for players to win. At, um, one was the modified win, because it took away any penalty for doing it. Um, and two was you—you you, you were actually able to point fortress. Because up until that point, you just really won. We've been up. So I remember early next win defensive upgrades were just a waste of time. There was the sensor jammer, which was a decent upgrade, but it was four points. So it was quite expensive, and no one used it. Right. And then there was, like, was it Flight Instructor? That was and the was one to allow large bases to re uh, re-roll a die or take a stress to re-roll one die. Yeah. Some terrible upgrade. It was a terrible upgrade, and it was way expensive. Like, in other words, the defensive upgrades that the game offered were garbage, and they were expensive. But then... Auto thrusters came and palp came and, and all these other things came. You know, C3PO came out and all these other all these other defensive upgrades came out that were actually not terrible. Um. And uh, and it and it it uh, it 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 affected the it affected the way you could play the game. Wow. Um. So as soon as as soon as the modified wins went away, everything point four percent. Slowly started to snowball, uh, and to the point where like you, people were able to just play the game and with defenders or with whatever. And no, okay. So there was another. There was something else. Then they changed the final salvo, the rules, the tie rules to final salvo. Okay. Uh huh. And that had a more profound effect on it, people, because. Before Final Salvo, I think the tiebreaker was a I forget what. 
but there was a tiebreaker that that people didn't like and and so they changed it they changed it to final salvo final salvo meant if i have more red dice than you starting the game then you have to then the onus is on you to be right right so like if i have a tie an eight ship tie swarm for eight academies let's say i have 16 red dice um i can sit in my corner and you have to come figure this out. You have to come figure this puzzle out. And I'll make sure when you do, it's on my... Is this when we really started seeing the introduction of Fortressing? Uh, the biggest introduction of Fortressing... The first real Fortressing I remember was Richard Sue at Worlds. Um, I think it was the year Paul won. It was, it, was, it was the year of the Phantom, right? And Richard had like four x and he was playing a phantom, phantom and like four academies or something, something like that, which was a pretty common list. Mm-hmm. And Richard, Richard correctly surmised that if he played the game, he was going to lose because the phantom was going to eat him alive. Because that's what the phantom did. The phantom was wildly unfair, mm-hmm. and it really was wildly unfair. Four dice attack. Four dice attack. This is this is before the this was before the the nerf so decloak mm-hmm. on activation as opposed to before God. anything happens so whisper decloaks after he sees what you've done right You're so dumb so dumb um so richard decided that he was gonna, he just he he set his x-wings up in a way that he could do one straights and one banks or two hard whatever the hell he was doing ships just did not move they stayed right where they were they didn't move at all and 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 because he knew that the phantom so Richard stayed that way for an hour and ten minutes, an hour and five minutes, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> and on the final turn, he broke formation and killed a TIE fighter and won the game. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. I remember, he, I remember him doing that. Um, now, honestly, it was correct. Right? And, and, I, and he did it against the Phantom, so I there. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um... But that was the first real bad instance of, of Fortress. Wow. But it was done for a very specific tactical reason. It wasn't this was this was I think probably still mod wins and it, it was like this was before it wasn't Paul it was won... it wasn't a mainstay strategy per se. No, it, the it, intent it a, was right away. No, and everybody everybody in the community knew like yeah, Fortress is stupid. If I know where you are, like. They knew that it wasn't a good strategy because it wasn't a winning strategy. And, and the only reason Richard did it was because he had this, this monster of a thing that he actually could not deal with. Right. He had no answer for it. So he decided he was going to hide and, 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 try to, and try to beat it that way. And, he, and it worked. Um, but Fortress thing, like... Uh... I mean, fortressing was never really a big problem um, where people just don't move. Like, they purposely bump, like mm-hmm. self-bumping. I don't remember that ever really being a massive even in the heyday of of stupidity, right? Like, I, I just don't remember that being a super big deal. I remember um, it. I, I'll be honest. I This is the one. This was the first thing that got me angry at X-Wing. It was the fortressing, and it was the Jumpmasters. 
Um, and oh, the one hearts into each other? One hearts into each other for multiple turns, and then you're like, well, uh, uh, so you're going to torp me. Like, uh, here it comes. You know, I remember that being such a frustrating thing because it was just like, here it is. I have to accept my fate now because I moved. Um, yeah, I, I employed that occasionally um, for a turn or two. And the only reason I did it was because I watched Tom Reed do it, who was frankly quite good with the Jet Masters. And he, had, I remember watching him do it. I was like, clever. Yeah, right, um, right. It just, is very he, clever, but it's, it was, I remember being like, ugh. You know, but so right, so but the, 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 jump, the jump masters, jump masters get good position, but they weren't doing it to exploit final salvo. No. But what when they when they initially when they were final salvo again, Chris and the crates discussed it and they talked openly about it and they talked openly about what they exploited and they were right and they did the analysis determined that if you have eight dice in final salvo and they have and your opponent has three, you win the final salvo like ninety five. Right. Right. It's not just like you win like a little bit more often. You win way the fuck more often. Right. So um, they started to realize like, oh, okay, so now if I bring a swarm or I have more dice than you, then this is your problem. It's not my problem. It's not our problem. It's your problem. Because if nothing happens, I'm going to win. And honestly, it was, it was even if you had two more red, you were like 70% to win. Wow. If you had six versus four, you were way more likely to win finals than they were. So, you know, and they and they did the analysis. They they basically wrote a, a spreadsheet that had every different combination and the percentages you had, depending on how many dice you had, dice they had. Mm-hmm. So they knew that, like, this was a big problem, and they knew that it could be exploited, and they stick they found some ways people found some ways to exploit it and that was they're just going to have a large swarm of, of ships that are going to sit there and that this is your problem you have to come these ships um so that was the other big change to the game that encouraged this go to time strategy okay and then you know as you as you move into the end of you just you have horrible decisions by by the devs where they you know nothing dies and and, right. and, 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 and in order to kill stuff that nothing dies you start seeing hyper offense expertise <laughs> expertise yeah expertise harpoon missiles like millions and millions and millions of passive mods where you're shooting you're getting max hits every time right I will tell you what I still have shell shot from that time period like when I'm getting attacked by someone I still to this day assume they're going to max out their hits. Uh, I, yeah, you know, it, it's it's still I still I know I'm right there with you because it's amazing. Like, I mean, every time you play John, that's true. But um... yes. <laughs> today, yes. No. But what, so what I'm saying is, I will like someone will shoot me and get roll three dice, and I'll roll like one of eight. I'll roll one of eight, and I will immediately go do two damage to my ship. Just dude, because I like well, they must hit me for three. And yeah. I'll have I'll, even to this day, I still have players like, dude, I only got two hits. There's only one damage. Like, oh, sh- okay, thank you. Like, and it's it's I'm shell shocked from the fact that like the guns were so damn reliable, mm-hmm. but they needed to be to have any chance of killing the hyper defense. Right. Um. So you had you know hyper offense, hyper defense, and anything that had me 
eviscerated by it. Right. So, and, you know, and then you had these point fortresses, excuse me, then you had these point fortresses to go along with it. You know, it was just, uh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's, and then of course going into 2.0, um, I think going into 2.0, uh, the half ship point, you'd think would have a, a an effect, uh, would, would in effect stop it from going to points, but I think in an odd way, it, makes it go to points more because people are spending more time thinking about you know like there's nothing more obnoxious in two, like, so in 2.0 you go to a large event and you'll play like the first two rounds and the first engagement or maybe even the second engagement of combat your player your opponent will look at you and be like how many points did I killed uh, okay I'm at half on that ship or not half on that ship right. dude no one ever asked those questions in 1.0 ever for the life of it as far as I can tell Certainly not after the first engagement. They might ask you when there's 10 minutes left what the score is, but that's it. Right. Now it's very common, very common going to a large event for someone to ask you if they're ahead or how many points they killed or did they get half on ship after one volley of fire. Um, and I, I, I don't know why that is, but I, I think it's a holdover from the, the thinking of 1.0 in terms of like, I got a, a super defense in order to keep up mm-hmm. and therefore I'm not going to die. And I need to make sure that I kill enough points. Um, but whatever it is, it, uh, yeah, it, no. it, 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 it pervaded, it, it, you know, mutated into 2.0 and I think it's gotten worse. And I think it's gotten worse uh, <clears throat> with things like droids and, and a lot of these large swarms and a lot of these, ace, these aces with regen. Right. Uh, it, it, they it, can make, and that, that, that's why, basically, what I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. That's that's why yeah, I, I, I keep when I when I after we did our our first recording of this, and then like I started sitting down even more. Like I was like, you know, my first thought was just look at tournament data, just look at the current tournament data. It's not even actually yet. That's why I wanted to do this little history because, you know, really and truthfully, like, you know, what we're seeing is the only thing that matters is winning obviously yeah. that has always been the case, but yet like, but it hasn't it, right. It, 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 used, it used to be how you won matter. It used to be how you won because a win right now in 2.0 is a, a nine to a nine, nothing win is the same, the same as a 200, nothing win with the exception of MOV. However, however, they but also... MOV doesn't matter. MOD MOV so, literally doesn't matter when, if you go five and up. Okay. So it used to, used to here's a good example of this um in the very first system open they had two day one you played on day one and if you were born born two or better going into day at the end of day one you could advance to day two mm-hmm. and then on day two they were going to play three rounds of swiss okay now um i was four and two after day one a couple of ridiculous games <laughs> um don't get me started so I'm born to, and, I'm, and then what they did was because this was the Tome software had just been created. This is their their you know, website. So they merged the two, they merged the two days. Uh, how do they do this? They did this. In a oh, there day. was. T- are you saying there was two day ones and then the two day ones and then they merged them, and you played, you played Swiss. Day, 
you played Swiss in day th- in day two. You played a three round Swiss with a combined groups of people who were four and two or better. But they like didn't carry over the MOV or something weird like that because their system couldn't do it. I forget exactly what happened. They didn't do it. But you had this weird quirk now because all the six and O players needed to win like two or one game and they'd make the cut. Or two games and they'd make the cut. They'd be excellent one. And they were only taking the top eight. But I remember talking to Phil Horny about this. I was he was five and one and I was four and two. If I had won out, which I did, and gone seven and two, and he'd lost one game and gone seven and one, seven and two, and he started five and one. By necessity, based on the way MOB works, my MOB was going to be better than his because on that day I got three wins. Oh, and okay. Because they they right? dropped off MOV. I think they did something like that. I forget exactly what it was, but their system couldn't handle it. So it the five and ones at that point were basically in the same boat as the four and two. They had to win out. Wow. Right? Um but MOV, like, it, 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 it doesn't matter now. So, okay, two things happen, right? MO, they used to, at Gen Con, at regionals, at nationals, even at system opens, they used to say, top eight make the cut. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't a graduated cut. Where you, if you're, like, even the year after the, that I won Hoth, the first year that uh, Hegwood won, it was still top eight made the cut. Uh-huh. So MOV mattered. The movie 100% mattered because you knew that there were only going to be one or two feet guys and all the five and ones and the four and twos or whatever they were, they were all hoping to get best good enough MOV to make the cut. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I had lost uh, one game close. Uh, I think I lost a few extra points. And then I lost the game in the day two cut. Uh, but I, and I, and then I, I didn't kill enough. I played a ghost defender or something like that. And I didn't quite, I think he got, I got half on the go. He got half on the, something happened where I lost like 50 MOV and I missed the cut that year. I was like 11th or something. I missed the MOV by like less. So at that point, MOV still did matter, which meant it mattered how many points you could kill. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't kill enough points, you weren't going to make the cut. Right. Right. Uh, and then they changed it because – so what was happening was you had these point balls. You had Miranda. You had Sintir. You, you had these ships that, like, were worth so many points, and they weren't dying. So it was, in, a, in an artificially positive way, affecting those players' MOV versus everybody else's MOV who's playing rational and normal list. Right. And, and I think that's one of the reasons – and there were a lot of people are advocating for a graduate cut meaning you play six rounds all the five and x's make it or whatever whatever you're going to say it is and then you seed and then you play um but I, but we're I seeing issues remember... with that though we're, we are seeing the issues of this you know when you do uh oh just there's no mov it doesn't matter it doesn't Right, it doesn't matter right. because because just get a win. yeah, just get the win, just get the win. It doesn't matter if you win nine nothing, you know. It, it, like okay, cool, I, I won. Yeah. Uh, which is you know, which is I think that's where that's this is our current state of the problem. You know, so it almost seemed like 
what really it almost seemed like they had a pretty good solution, but the software wasn't developed. Well, the, so the, the hot that that hot open where they merged that was the only time that they did that. They they, they got told after that so that that wasn't the case anymore. They could merge um, merge two fields together and preserve the MOV and the reference. They just couldn't do that that year for whatever reason. Um, and I think it was like one of the first events that they ran with Tome, so that like it just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so like yeah, MOV used to matter. Mm-hmm. And some people said it mattered too much. And it might have, and that's only because you started to see these point vaults where you, somebody would play them and it didn't matter, they couldn't get any MOV off it. Right. Or they couldn't get the MOV they needed off it to make the cut and it felt unfair. And it, frankly, it was unfair. So that's why FFG, in large part, removed or went away from the MOV system and back to a more graduated cut for most of the top-level events. Now, regionals are usually still top 16, and that's done by MOV, mm-hmm. or top 8, or whatever it is. And, you know, or store championships, that level, um, are all still uh, MOV-based uh, for a right. cut. But when you start getting to, like, world, the system opens, and they start saying, like, all the X and 1s make the cut, or you have to go X and 1 and better to qualify for the cut, suddenly, you know, it becomes a much different... Um, it's a much different uh, equation that you need to head for your list in terms of how to make a cut. You no longer have to worry that, like, well, if I don't win, um, my MOV is going to be garbage and, and, and because I faced uh, point vaults. Right. Um, now you just now you could actually be the point vault, and it doesn't matter if you're a point vault because your MOV doesn't matter. You can win by one point five times, and that's better you know, the, the, in some ways, the, the alternative. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I think that's... I think we kind of caught up to present day, though, now. So I think that that really helps a lot because, that, like I said, that's, that is, it's a, you know, this it's interesting seeing this. I'm like, I have this all written down and stuff, and it's just interesting seeing this change because, like, I remember hearing these things or reading up on these things, and it's just, you know, you look at it and you're like, how and why and like now it's like ah okay all right so this is this is why i'm such a strong advocate about games don't need to go to time right right because i've seen it where they don't need to go to time and i've seen it where people try not to try to win the game right because it used to be that like that was in your best interest and it's no longer in your best interest to necessarily win win the game straight up right right you just need to score more points in your phone Ah. which Sure, you're winning, but you're deciding the game as opposed to winning the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I mean. All right. Well, I think that I think that really pretty much covers it for this, though. That's why I think I got a lot to work with here now. So I really appreciate this. Yeah, dude. Thank you again for joining us today on the Steel City Squadron podcast. Intro, outro song, Hot Shot by Scott Holmes. Ending ad song, Welcome to the Show by Kevin McAlloyd. For more information, see the show notes or visit us on the web at anchor.fm, Steel City Squadron podcast. You can contact us on Twitter at Steel City Pod. Best way to support us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.